Okay, okay, friends, welcome. I am super excited about this uh, conversation today with Jenna. Hello, Jenna. Hi. We are talking about samskara. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, samskara. Okay. Uh, samskaras are the mental and emotional patterns or scars left by our daily lives. Do you mind if I open up with this yes. reading? The hot take from the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Yes, so we've got a hot take from the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Casual light reading. Um, so just for some background, this starts, uh, this is in verse 11 and 12. If you have this version, um, which I can put in the show notes, but they're talking about vasanas. Vasanas are our desires. So I want to kick off there before we get into samskara. So vasana is not something bad. It is responsible for the will to live. If it is completely eradicated before self-realization takes place, you will be removing your will to live. In Vedic and Tantric philosophy, there are said to be four main desires deep-rooted within every person. These are artha, acquirement of wealth and commodities, kama, gratification of sensual desire, dharma, to perform social, ethical, moral, and natural duty, and moksha, liberation. Our desires are expressions of one of these four aspects. Some desires are superficial, but the deep-rooted desires or vasanas are hidden within the deepest levels of consciousness in the causal body. Desires lead to action, and these actions create samskaras or impressions in the mind. Samskara is residue of experience, like a seed buried in the soil. Each experience we have is recorded and stored in the unconscious mind and body in a symbolic form. When samskaras are not re-experienced, they are transferred deep within the subtle body, and if they are not re-expressed, they are buried deeper. These suppressed samskaras are expressed in our dreams, behavior patterns, and diseases. Jenna, how do you feel about that? (laughs) Well, one, I mean, anytime the Hatha Yoga Pradipika comes out, I feel like I need to wear like, uh, like a poncho, like a, like a literal, like rain cloud, uh, full body covering, uh, because all it is, is about, uh, expressions. (laughs) Yeah. Expressions of the self, specifically the masculine self. So I feel like it's just like anytime that book comes out, I'm like, Oh God. No one understands what karma means. And I'm going to hold to that fact until I die. Mm-hmm. Including me, probably. <laughs> like, right? I'm gonna, I've written on my tombstone. Here lies Jenna. She also didn't understand what karma means, but she tried to do better. So the reason I bring up karma is because samskaras, as the passage from the Hatha Yoga Pradipika talks about, those patterns of our lives... Which I will preface by saying, just like karma, samskaras are neither positive or negative as a general rule. They just are. They are the patterns, we could call them rituals, habits, um, depending on how intense you want to make them sound, to your experience. And they aren't positive or negative as a general rule. What becomes negative about them is if the samskaras themselves lead to more friction. 
So there's an element within the idea of samskara is that we need to have grace for our patterns and our habits and the experiences we have. So if you have an immediate response, like one thing I get dragged on at work all the time is like I have, I won't call them verbal tics because it's basically offensive to people who actually have verbal tics, but I have mechanisms of speaking that are part of my own nomenclature and the way I speak that sometimes come out at work. Like if you've ever been in my yoga classes, you can totally hear a very close representation of my authentic self speaking, but at work I'm completely different, right? So sometimes like my yoga jitta speak will come out and they'll be like, who says that? Like, <laughs> and so like, those are patterns, right? And those are harmless patterns. And they're, we're questioning like, what realm is the pattern valid in? Or where is this pattern good or bad or indifferent? Like for me to say a particular turn of phrase, like you're doing so great, which I say all the time at work and people are like, what is wrong with you? And like, so it's fine in yoga. It's maybe less fine at work, but also it's, there are some scars and patterns that make them think it's not fine because telling people that they're great is, I'm always gonna do that. Um, so it's a question of like something that simple, that tiny, like a turn of phrase is a samskara. The way you walk is a samskara. The choices you make, the habits when you wake up, whatever the first five things are that you do when you wake up, that's a samskara. None of that is inherently negative. What becomes negative is if any of those create friction, which yields to a bigger lived experience of friction, like which is what we call karma. In general, I'm gonna go on the record with a hot take and say that most samskaras are not actually bad. 99% of them are, aren't. I think what is bad about them is if they aren't, is the context, right? What realm am I doing these samskaras in? Are they actually yielding the goals or visions that I want? Or are they complicating my life? Like almost no samskara taken out of context is negative. And I mean, other than like whatever samskaras Jeffrey Dahmer had, those are probably pretty negative, right? <laughs> or like hashtag terrible men. But like in general, like taken alone, samskaras aren't bad. But our goal is to see the patterns and the rituals and the behaviors and the habits. And instead of doing them automatically, make them conscious. Mm -hmm. That's the trick. Mm -hmm. So just having them, like, don't be like, I have a million samskaras, I'm a terrible person. That's literally false. That's not true. The question is, how can you make those patterns more conscious? There's an element of, like, if you have a morning ritual that you've so ingrained into your experience, and it's helpful, it makes your day start well, or it, it supports you, or like, let's say you have a medical condition and your samskara is I have to take these pills in the morning. Like, those are samskaras you need to have. Those are valid, and you're allowed to make those kind of automatic habits. The other things that are maybe coming from things outside of you, like cultural conditioning, or your family, or your trauma, or toxic relationships, those samskaras maybe need to be looked at more consciously. But we're allowed to have ritual, we're allowed to create habits, we're allowed to create an experience full of patterns that make sense to us, but we need to make conscious action the core of it and start to identify when and where we do things. Um, I, had a, um, I had a whole year last year of de-patterning, deconditioning oh, yeah. myself from beauty standards uh, so I went back to my natural hair color. I didn't wear makeup unless like it really would have impacted me 
in my job, you know, like it would have been a thing because of like society, whatever. I stopped wearing a bra regularly. Um, A sunscarf that should go, frankly. uh, Like, but actually my back feels so much better. (laughs) So I did a whole year of deep, unpatterning, deconditioning. I don't know what the word for that would be. But um, it revealed so much about my conscious patterns and and my unconscious patterns about how I show up in the world physically. Mm-hmm. And so now uh, my birthday is, I think, the week before yeah this happens. And I've, I've decided, I've dubbed the year 33 my year of nudity, which... That's your Christ year. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. That was the age Christ died when he was one. So oh like 30. And I'm doing carpentry right now. What is that? <laughs> That's insane. I didn't know that because, you know, Jews. Um, uh, but he's not your jam. <laughs> well, he Wait, my dad's. was your jam. Yeah. He actually was yeah, your jam Yeah, he's definitely first. my jam. <laughs> you know, just like, yeah, context. You know what I mean? He's just like your bro versus like your Christ. Yes. Like yeah. <laughs> Which even now, who know, you know, uh, Magnolia is, by the way, anti-Semitic and oh, <laughs> calls cute. me out all the time for being Jewish. And I'm like, why are you yelling at me? And, um, some scars. There's some, some scars. That there's some deep scars. <laughs> and I said, um, I'm gonna really need you to stop yelling. You're Jewish and I'm not at me and feeling <gasps> triggering. And also, can you just tell people you're Jewish and that'll that'll you know absolve some things. So anyway, man, my kids, there's so many things that are stuff right there. Like, ooh, there's some dark stuff. But so, I love that. Your your 33 is the year nudity, not because I'm gonna walk around naked, but because like it is the year that I want to boldly now that I've like looked at the patterns and it's a lifelong pursuit but I've sure. looked at the patterns it's like now I'm going to consciously choose how I want to show up in the world so yeah. nudity is like a you know a an analogy for it's like, a metaphor yeah yeah it's me like coming as my barest fullest self. physical Your self swarupa, my swarupa yeah ooh so yeah, I I feel like in one of those things, one of the patterns and habits I've cultivated is flossing my teeth. <laughs> I Which love like, that. you know, like your dentist tells you, like fucking floss. You yeah, dick. literally. Just do it. Hydrated. Yes. It's a habit you should probably take on. Which I don't think talk curbing is a huge one, right? Like that's one I consciously have to sit with all the time. I'm doing a bunch of work on like self-soothing mechanisms now, which is like, okay, where is the feeling? Here, what feeling is it? How does it feel? Let's get really present in the experience. Those are some scars we can cultivate. Totally. Also, like a mantra is a samskara. Mm-hmm. A conscious samskara, a samskara with action and purpose and choice behind it. It's an illumined samskara. Um, we should be cultivating those things. I think if you're listening to this too, you hit you hit one that I I think. Um, Why well, here? An awakening around it in teacher training almost every, not almost, every single time is negative self-talk. Yeah. Um, which when you're putting yourself under a microscope for 200, 300 hours, that's going to happen. Oh, but one easy hack <laughs> is like if you start to observe, wow, I have patterns of negative self-talk, wear a hair tie around your wrist and every time you have a negative thought about yourself, just move it to the other wrist. Don't snap your wrist. It's there not these, punishment. It's not punishment. No. It is acknowledging because then you can repattern. So. Yes. No, that's such a good one. Uh, another hot trick. So this is like, it made me immediately think of this. So uh, once upon a time, a very dear friend was uh, having 
frictioned experience. I don't know how to say this. Like they were in a karmic pattern and it, every time they were having a deeply negative thought or experience or response, they changed the languaging around the thought. So like, instead of being like, I can't do anything right, which is a very common, I, I have that one constantly, which, yeah. you know, again, we're all human. I'm sure I'm not alone. You would change the languaging to, I feel like Shiva cannot do anything right. So mm. you're, so you're one, acknowledging that you're Shiva, right? Which in, in, as a Tantrika Sadika, that's like part of your goal is like, there's nothing that is not consciousness. There's nothing that is not Shiva himself, including you. So like, okay, I'm Shiva. And you're also taking it out of the fact that it's a, it's a thing, it's fact, because like, I'm not good enough. It's like a fact. So, I'm making it a fact. Right, a which is some totally star. relative. It's, and, it's yeah. not true. And I'm saying like, I feel this. So then you're having a feeling about Shiva himself and you have to ask yourself, okay, how real is that? And is it even respectful to talk about Shiva like he can't do anything right? Because fault, like, spoiler, Shiva doesn't care. He like, like, he's like, first of all, I don't care what you say about me. Second, there's nothing right or wrong. It doesn't matter. And also I'm in the woods meditating. Don't bother me. So like, the point is, what tools does it take? Like moving something from a wrist, changing the self-talk, repatterning, or putting a spiritual approach to it, which is it gonna take to start to unpack, untie, unravel the samskaras that we're bringing to the table? And the thing is, is like, how do you cultivate better ones? Instead of being like every time I'm not good enough or I can't do anything right, what if I just chanted a mantra? or told myself I loved myself, or moved physically. That's the point. Choose your samskaras because your samskaras become your life. Mm -hmm. And like, who is it? I had a quote from Ama. Oh, here, this is a really good quote because she loves a samskara. Um, <laughs> well, she doesn't love them, but she loves calling them out for you. And so she says, even a single thought has an infinite inherent power each thought is like an atom in the atomic bomb. One bad thought is enough to trigger a thousand bad thoughts within a short time. Thoughts then become words and actions and so destruction. Snow falls on the mountaintops in the form of tiny snowflakes. These grow into mountains of snow and form big rivers. And in the same manner, when bad thoughts first come, we are often not aware of them. That's the unconsciousness, mm -hmm. right, of the samskaras. In a short span of time, they transform into an irrepressible force. We lose our discrimination and leap headlong into bad actions. These thoughts even transform our character. So she's talking about all these little samskaras and patterns and habits constitute a personality, a person, a soul, a shiva, right? And so you doing anything without a conscious choice to do it is like the enemy of the process. Like, get very conscious and realize the process isn't perfect. It's made with tons of tiny, tiny, tiny actions, but that's also deeply empowering, right? Mm -hmm. You can unravel through small conscious choices. Which I think to tie it to, like, what we do here is that, you know, 
uh, Noah, my teacher, I says the point of the drill is the drill. And like, if you're engaging in modern postural yoga or asana, Mm -hmm. the point of going to those classes should be to just bring awareness, you know, like we don't have a perfect formula of which asana is going to bring you enlightenment. Like, let me be clear about practice. Indy. we don't have that here. There's only one and it's Sukhasana, (laughs) but that's like neither here nor there. (laughs) Yeah. The whole, one of the main points. It's sitting still. Yeah. One of the main points, if you're going to engage in modern postural yoga, which is, you know, my beloved and I absolutely love that practice is to help you bring awareness from unconsciousness or subconsciousness to consciousness. So I think what I am so proud of, of our teachers here is that the teaching is so conscious. And I would, if you're not a student here, this doesn't mean become one, but I would have you look at that. How are you bringing consciousness, not using your yoga practice as a way to black out or forget, but actually get deeply invested in the present because that teaches you the skill off your mat to become deeply present and conscious of your of your, you know, consistent patterns. Yes. And like, it's ironic in a culture that's so obsessed with disruption that we don't understand. We don't seem to get that it's the disruptive quality of practice and a choice to choose something consciously that is actually the yoga. Mm-hmm. It's the disruption from the ingrained patterns of our previous iteration of self. But the trick is you have to dis- disruption has such a negative it's not always negative it depends right like disruption in our society is really great for people who are venture capitalists and want to make a bunch of money and disruption is really terrible for people who were existing and thriving based on the system that was in place and that's true in any form whether it's a positive disruption or negative so the question is if you're disrupting and you're breaking up some scars and habits and patterns you have to disrupt to consciousness versus disrupt and then go back mm-hmm. because that's where modern postural yoga fails yes is that we go we disrupt the samskaras and the karmas and our our whatever we're bringing to the table that isn't our true self or imbued with love and an expression of our divinity and then we say okay class is done i got my hamstrings feel amazing i'm going back and then drinking a 40 yeah whatever your equivalent or like talk telling yourself what should have done if you've ever left yoga class and are immediately like i should have done better in that headstand right you like the disruption didn't work right the the disruptive quality to the habitual patterns is the goal and you have to do it and cultivate this idea that that disruption is about disruption from a space of wholeness. Not because you're broken, not because your scars are inherently bad, that might not even be true. What is true is the disruption yields an opportunity to reflect and to then choose, because that's it. That's the whole point. And if you can't do that, either in a class or in a practice, then you might have to try a different class or practice. Like that's, that's the goal. So if you're saying, this modern postural yoga class, this asana class, this flow and go, if you're with us, is about disruption from the samskaras, and I'm going to listen for different insight. And if that's the like bhav or sankalpa that you're bringing into the class, you're doing the highest level of yoga that exists. Mm-hmm. You just have to keep doing it and keep busting through the patterns. Some of it happens somewhat unconsciously, but a lot of it gets way better if it's conscious. And and consistent. And faster. It's yeah. so much faster. And like you're like, wow, how did I do this? 
Like people who are like, I've been doing a bunch of yoga and I feel great. The real people who are changing are people who are like, I have gone to yoga and I feel like I have a completely different experience. That's what you want. It's not just the physical. Or, rein- or reinforcing, yes. you know, to go back to last week's, yes. or reinforcing avidya. Right, you know, right. It is, to, it is to be in the process of constant vidya, yes. the expansion, the growth, which is not always rarely comfortable. And accept that you almost always have something that should be disrupted, if only to reflect and confirm. Yes. Like, we forget that disruption to confirm a path is just as powerful than disruption to stop a path or pattern. Like the check-ins that we should do with our relationships and ourselves and our experiences should happen all the time. And it should be like, is this the right path for me? Do I know this in my heart? And it should be an emphatic yes. Mm. That is also the point of a samskara. That's the positive aspect of a samskara. I mean, I feel complete. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't feel complete, but do you feel... I got so many samskaras in this week. I feel like at least we unearthed them, and now we got to watch them wriggle around like worms. And I can't even wait to see what ones I have next year that I didn't have this year. I mean, it's like, there's so many options. The bliss of human experience. 